Here's the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. Welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Dentistry Podcast. We have a great episode coming for you today with Kev Talks Teeth. If you follow him on Instagram, it is Kevin Lopez. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks hello, for being on the show. Hello. Thank you so much. We're excited to be here. We are excited to have you. And uh, BT Dubs, I am your U.S. dental hygienist, Melissa Obraka, and my beautiful, amazing co-host is Tabitha from Australia. But tonight, I'm actually recording from London. <laughs> just something different hence why i'm a little bit jet lagged if i mumble on my words tonight i apologize but um i came to london for my residential week for my masters so um coordinating the podcast the last couple of weeks has been a bit difficult with melissa's and my um traveling schedules but really excited that we can do a bit of um three time zones today <laughs> that we finally were able to coordinate it and um i was really excited to have on because I think we're going to talk about something a little bit different today about being a man and being a dental hygienist and um, we're a fairly female dominated industry and you know I'm all for the girl power but I think it's really important that we kind of have a bit of a discussion of what it's like to be a minority as a dental hygienist you know because we do make up the majority and there's a lot more men coming along which is fantastic when I went through there was one male in my class and now I teach dental hygiene, we probably have about 30% men compared to 70% women, but still, you know, that divide is there a little bit. So let's throw it over to you, Kevin. Start with first, you have finished high school. What happened? I finished high school and I did not have anything to do with dentistry to start. <laughs> I moved overseas. I'm from California in the, in the US and I moved to Japan. Oh, wow. Just, yeah, just out of a whim. Actually, I was heartbroken, so I fled the country. That's what I do. And so, <laughs> I'm dramatic. I'm very dramatic. And so, I went to Japan. I was teaching English to, like, little kids, and I was singing at a live house. And then, but, so anytime I'd walk to the live house, um, there would be, like, a dental building that's kind of nice. Like, oh, these are so much more advanced than, like, in the United States. So that was, like, kind of, I guess, the first, like, glimpse of dentistry for me. Because I have a cousin that's a dentist here, but... In the United States, it kind of looks like those offices back in the day from, like, Finding Nemo. That's what, that's what it looked like for me growing up. So I was like, ah, okay. And so when I saw the new ones, I was like, oh, cool. So after that, and then when I moved back from Japan, after two and a half years, I was working at my cousin's practice as a front office. And that's when I started, like, okay, there's more than just teeth numbers. There's also, like, actual, like, teeth. That's cool. <laughs> Because <laughs> you just see pictures all the time. So I was like, okay, yeah. And then, um, so I started off as a front office at my cousin's. Um, I was 19. And then I started dental assisting for her because her dental assistant would call out and she did, it was a two-chair operatory, so very small. Not not a need for a lot of staff. So there was just three of us. So I, um, she started training me to take my boards for RDA, but she also had me working at another practice who had a hygienist. And he was male. And I was like, so are you an assistant? He's like, I'm a hygienist. So I was like, what, what is that? He's like, yeah, <laughs> a... <laughs> like, you don't know what a hygienist is? It's like, no. Um, I come from a dental office where the dentist does the cleaning, so what do you do? And that was a really interesting conversation where um, he came from the school that I ended up going to, and he treats hygiene, where we treat hygiene as like medicine, essentially. Um, we work alongside with nurses in our um, prerequisite courses before we go into core. I love that. Don't you? It's amazing. And I and it was probably the biggest eye opener that dentistry wasn't a business for me because prior to that I just thought it was a business, and you can pick up anybody from the street and we can just you know clean teeth, polish teeth, take pictures of your teeth with radiation and run across the street you know because you don't want to get <laughs> exposure. <clears throat> so then. Um, I applied to dental hygiene school up north. I didn't get in. And so I went down to Southern California, and I found a school here that was amazing. So I ended up 
getting into that program and got my bachelor's in like half the time, which is, which is fun. And right after I started practicing clinically and I've been practicing now for three years as of October 24th. That's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. And how many men were in your cohort when you went through? In my cohort, we had, we started off with two of us and we ended up with three. Usually Please. the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he had must he must have came from a cohort, you know, previously yeah. before me and had time off and joined ours because we had an opening. Yeah. Nice. What do you think have been some of the barriers to more men maybe joining hygiene? I think it. I think it's a two way street where part of it is for the. I'm probably going to get in a lot of trouble for saying this, but like that toxic masculinity where they don't want to be in a space that's soft, considered softer because it's um, dominantly female. So we, they tend to kind of like come in like, ooh. it's kind of like being a nurse where that took a while, right? For, for nurses or men in nursing to become the more common and more embraced because it was always the doctor was the man and the, the nurse was the female. And it was kind of the same thing almost, you know, in dentistry. Um, so we have that on our end, I think, as males, that we need to kind of swallow the, swallow that pill or just, you know, poop it out and understand we're just trying to do, the, we're just trying to do the damn job. And if you, if it resonates with you, cause you don't want to be a dentist, but you like dentistry, this might be it. Yeah. Right. And then on the other side, there's the, on the female, and I can't speak for females, but I would think and I felt in my cohort when I came in that it was we got a lot of eyes because we weren't the norm we're like who is that yeah. what's he doing here is he gonna is he gonna does he know what he's doing is he gay yeah. and like, there was the... <laughs> I mean they were kind of right for one of us <laughs> but you know <laughs> not that that mattered but it there's it's a two-way street I think definitely yeah, yeah. I think we need to see more um, male representation in our imaging and our advertising. Yes, definitely. Because you can't be what you can't see. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how do little boys think, yeah, I'd like to grow up and do that job if you never see that represented? So that representation is really important so that, one, the, the, the males in our profession feel represented, but also so that, you know, future little boys feel that maybe this could be a role for them. Yeah. And I would also love to see that definition of dental hygienist, cute hot chick that brushes your teeth for you go away. Yeah. yeah. It was cute. I'm not going to lie. It was cute when I first saw it, and then I read it. I was like, wait a second. So am I, a ch-? like, I don't identify as, you know, as female, and I don't use, you know, preferred, my preferred pronouns are he, him, his. So I was like, I don't, do I not, qualify now as a dental hygienist for that um but i'm here doing the job and i'm here make, trying to make a difference and being i want to be part of the community and enhance that community but if i'm not welcome in um through the the mainstream of the community then it does give a little bit of hesitation of like am i doing too much because the other side of it is like for me is i was worried that i was taking over a certain space because we I grew up in a family of women, and they're all very strong women. And we heard a lot of, you know, female activism, right, and female power. And now we're seeing a lot of that happening in media and in Hollywood, talking about representation for women, women's stories matter. So I didn't want, I was starting to get scared about um, if I make a big impact, if I try to be an influencer or make make a presence in the social media field, will that take away from the female community? Of dental hygiene and that was something i was nervous about at first and i've been so blessed that i i'm surrounded by speakers and um well-known figures in dental hygiene that have welcomed me with open arms without any hesitation was like no please join us yeah like, this is amazing yeah I think yeah absolutely for everyone so you know i like everyone to be loud and proud <laughs> You know, that, that, that's my personal opinion, you know, that, that uh, I think anything positive is always a positive. So, you know, if, if we've got someone that's out there 
male or female, it doesn't matter. Like, but if you're making a positive impact on our career, then that's a win for everybody. Yeah. And that's really, uh, you know, I'm just really proud of any dental hygienist when they succeed at anything. I'm like, well, I just might as well because you've elevated my whole career. And so thank you for doing it. You know, I think it's great. Yeah. Kev, I was curious, um, as your, when you were in your role as a student, did you feel that you received any uh, differential treatment from any of the professors or your classmates being a male in the program? I don't think it was intentional or, or malicious, um, but they were definitely, you heard the comments of like, oh, thank God there's a male in here. <laughs> I was like, for me, it's just we like, say they, that. Oh, do you say that too? Sometimes you think yes and just off your own and maybe it won't be. <laughs> I was like, for me, it's just we like, say they, that. Oh, do you say that too? Sometimes you think yes and just off your own and maybe it won't be so bitchy. <laughs> no, that's exactly it. They were like, oh, it's, you know, something. A little less crying. A little less crying and um, it's less cat, quote unquote, catty or bitchy. And yeah. I, because I grew up in a family of women, I didn't, I never saw the cattiness. I just thought that was my norm. It's my culture. So I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I did hear that a lot. I would say probably for my other male colleagues who are very, um, very masculine, very, you know, from the military and they came in. And so that was different, but I'm sure they enjoyed the attention. <laughs> Whereas me, I was like, oh, I guess, sure, cool. <laughs> How have you found, because obviously patients see us as a female, this is a female-dominated industry as well. Do you? I'm interested to know if maybe a lot of patients most of the time see me as a dentist and not a dental hygienist. Yes, that happened a lot when yeah. I first started. When I first started, um, because, you know, we come in and we have our loops around our, our necks, and so they would be like, oh, doctor is here. It's like, oh, no, I'm not the doctor, I'm the hygienist. And like, oh, wait, what? And, oh, and then I, now I still get, um, oh, the last gal that cleaned my teeth. You're the, you're the first guy I've ever had in my X amount of years of being a patient or being alive. And so <laughs> then there's the question of, oh, you're, um, are you heavy handed because you're masculine? And I was like, well, Interesting. I've had that question a lot of times. And I'm like, well, first I'm Asian. My hands are very small. Um, <laughs> I, I don't play guitar or anything, so they're not callous. Like I'm very, I'm very <laughs> dainty, um, um, and I, my goal is never to kill you, so I'm not gonna try to hurt you. <laughs> I would love to say that to the patient, but instead I just say, you know, uh, I'd like to think I have an effective hand. So just if, but anything uncomfortable, just let me know. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an response, I like that. Yeah, I never even thought about. <laughs> Was instantly thinking that maybe you wouldn't be as gentle or something like that. Well, because a lot of times the hygienists who come in are, you know, if they're female, they have a different, like, you're, the, the patient's perspective of a person right away is just at face value. It's not the personality yet. It's just face value. It's not the clinical skill, right? So when you have someone that's maybe female that might be a little, let's say, physically shorter, physically smaller, and then you have a guy that comes in who's, like, maybe a little more muscular, or you can see more definition in and or whatnot have you you know in the scrubs you know or like watch Grey's Anatomy you'll see the difference between like this surgeon versus this surgeon you know? <laughs> and there's that fear of oh he's you know rough up my gums and it I personally I beg to differ because we learn as long as you have the right level of pressure you're not gonna hurt him <laughs> yeah hundred no, percent but yeah it's, it's an interesting way I can imagine patients thinking like that so I suppose something I never really thought about what about employment wise did you find any barriers of getting hired as a male uh, dental hygienist or you found that, you know, you don't you get affected at all? I found it, I had a very inter interesting situation where everywhere I got hired was, I had previously worked as a dental assistant. So yeah. it wasn't even, it was no longer a matter of my gender. It was if I knew them and they know my work ethic. Um, yeah. Except my newest practice that I work at, I've been there now for two years. They were just excited to have some diversity yeah yeah that's great um, so yeah because they, they're they're a very progressive practice so they wanted more diversity they wanted to see people they wanted the people they wanted the patients to see clinicians that remind them of themselves or their family members so they would feel more comfortable knowing that they're going to get the best care because 
you treat everybody like a family member that you like, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. And obviously, you know, you've mentioned that you're, um, you have an Asian background. How have you found that in, have you found that that has been any issue in your workplace or with patients or, you know, obviously, again, representation really matters and I think it's something that we need to talk about. I think it's, Initially, it wasn't a problem because of where I um, where I live. I guess I live in an area that's very culturally diverse, both in Southern California and in Northern California. So there wasn't that situation. But once the global health crisis hit, the global health crisis hit, when the pandemic hit, that's when I started getting a lot of interesting comments from patients. And this is before vaccines rolled out and so I had, or, you know, we had better knowledge of the virus, right? But it just showed how little they, they understood and just how little they wanted to understand and just from what they absorbed from the media. So I got questions of, so where are you? I never had this question until the pandemic was like, where are you from? It's like Vallejo, California, close to San Francisco. No, but where are you from? And I was like, uh... I'm from this manufactured home down the street and in the back of my backyard there's a, you know, a homeless community. Like, what else do you need to know about me? Like, I'm just trying to clean the key, dude. And they're like, oh, no, but where are you originally from? I was like, are you asking for my ethnic background? I'm like, yes. I'm from, my father's from the Philippines, my father's from the Philippines, my mom's from Japan. I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know your stuff then. I was like, that's not cool. But you can assume that just because I'm one specific cultural or two specific cultural backgrounds that I know myself versus someone else that doesn't or someone that might be involved and they were ostracized based on their, you know, ethnic background in the, in the media for that specific moment in time. And now that we know, we know better, so we're doing better, I hope. Um, but I did get that initially when we first came back. And then there was the, is there another hygienist I could see question? Um, and it was a, it's, I don't long, no longer work at the practice, but there was that, or I thought it was going to be more of, I want a more experienced hygienist, or I want a more seasoned hygienist. And then there comes the, is there someone I can possibly see that's, you know, not him? So I couldn't tell if it was from my gender, if it's from my, uh, the color of my skin, the color of my skin, because I'm pretty straightforward and I'm really nice and I'm consistent as far as personality goes to my patients. So that's been a very interesting shift for me. It's died down since the last year, but when it first hit and we were just coming back, I definitely felt that a lot. And it was very interesting where they're like, did you, did you travel anywhere? Like, this country is in lockdown. Where, where, what count, where am I going? Girl, where am I going to go? <laughs> I, went, I went to Target. <laughs> Yeah. Well, firstly, I'd like to say I'm really sorry that you had to experience that because it's just, there's no other way to say it. It's just shitty. And those people are shitty. <laughs> it's the only way. There's just so much emotional ignorance and unintelligence in people. And, and it just bothers me that people think it's okay to say things like that or behave, or behave that way. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. just not okay. But it's, I... Yeah, it's, oh, go ahead. it's it's sad. I think I would like you, if if you feel comfortable, yeah. to kind of like let listeners know how that makes you feel when you get something like that directed at you, because there might be some listeners that might have asked some of these questions themselves and maybe not even realised how rude or how that could make someone feel. So if you feel comfortable to share how when that happens, how you feel. I think yeah. it's a learning opportunity for some listeners. I know that for for myself personally, I've learned to take everything with a grain of salt because of one, because of my upbringing. Two, um, the, I had already worked in dentistry years, for years prior to that incident. So I knew that there were just going to be some, sorry to say, really bitchy patients and really uneducated patients. So I knew that, but when it came to the color my, color my skin, 
skin when I was getting involved and when it was or my gender and it wasn't just like my personality anymore that you didn't like it was just like me for face value and that wasn't cool and there was maybe like a, a maybe like two minutes where I was just like damn I would love to just say you know get out of my chair it, yeah. it's not worth it you know it's really not worth it your I, your insurance or whatever financial option you have to pay for this cleaning is to pay for the hygiene service but not for you to shit on me like yeah that, like i could i can go somewhere else and you know do that i can go to a comedy show and get roasted and actually enjoy it you know versus <laughs> you doing it here in the chair when i'm trying not to kill you and now you're giving me every reason to like kind of be like whoopsie doodle <laughs> and but even in the work community or like as a student you you kind of hear you kind of hear things initially because the it's a free i worked in a my school had a free clinic so we're seeing there's a white girl that treated me last time where's she at like oh she graduated I was like, oh is there anyone that else you know there here I was like, well i mean i'm not valedictorian but i'm pretty smart you know i'll be sure not to kill you i have nice hair i you know i can you want me to look like l woods i can do that too <laughs> <laughs> And so it was, it's hard it's a really hard situation and it's frustrating but I've learned to just take it at that they don't know any better and I'm just more fortunate that I'm surrounded by like-minded people in the profession and in my family and in my friendships that are at a more elevated state of thinking and more open-mindedness right because then as long as I continue to stay as an example and not show aggression towards that microaggressor then maybe one day they'll come around and do it. I've, I've bitched at this person at Kevin for so long and yet he has done nothing to piss me off other than just look me off, other than just look different. Maybe, just maybe, I can open my, my mind a little bit to being okay or just trying to get to know what else he's capable of. I just want to compliment you on that because to have that kind of mindset and outlook is just, it's absolutely incredible. It shows your emotional maturity. It shows how you have compassion for others, although they might not deserve it. And um, just that you're, you're leading by example and you're like, I'm not going to allow you to disrupt the way I think or how I behave. You're so not reactionary. You're coming at it in such a proactive way. So I just want to commend you for that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'll still go into the bathroom and be like, this mother... Like, and you know, you want to... Or when you get in the car, you slam the door and you're just like, I... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or like... <laughs> I still have those... I'll have those moments, but never when I'm clocked in will I show it to the patient. Right, right. right. Um, or even in school, like, I didn't really try... Or even in school, like, I didn't really try to show it to anybody because that wasn't... I wasn't here to create drama. And I didn't... Like, now that's my coin on the line. I'm not going to put my investment into my emotional like stress because of some stupidity to me it's stupidity at that point yeah um, yeah i put my emotional stress on making sure i pass the next midterm so i don't feel out. <laughs> yeah. so how do you deal with that now so let's say you're coming off of your clinical day you had to deal with people with that kind of like low emotional intelligence and mindset like what do you do when you get in the car how do you decompress from that usually i turn the air conditioning on full blast <laughs> first and I don't start the car because I will speed and I, and I only live seven minutes from work so I don't want to speed down the street and then get caught so that's first in my head and two my insurance is extremely high um I blast the AC and then I'll call my best friend um if um if my best friend is able to pick up because they work too then um if they pick up, I get to be like, this, do you want to hear the stupidest thing I heard today? Like, blah, 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 blah. And then after that, he's like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for listening. Or yeah. with my cousins, well, my cousins are also like my best, best friends. So if they're listening, hey, um, we look, <laughs> we'll work out. Or they'll be like, do you want to work out? And I'm, I've been going to the gym a lot. Not as much as they do, but when I'm there with them specifically, I get more motivated. And that stress yeah. release really helps. And every night I make an, 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 I try to make it a habit. I used to write things out, but now I just really sit and meditate on. Nice. Did I waste, did I waste any time today? If I wasted it, what was it wasted on? Because, you know, we're not promised tomorrow. Um, and I, my, the reason I say, and I, my, 
the reason I say that is because when I was eight, my mom passed away. So, and then we felt, and then my, my grandparent, my grandparents on my mom's side are gone. My grandfather passed away on my dad's side. So a lot of loss in my family and we're very close knit. So we don't really know when, you know, tomorrow's your last day or if today's your last day. So don't waste it. Unless you want to be lazy, by all means, rest yourself, rest self-care. But um, I'd make it a habit to meditate on or pray, like, where did I waste time? And how can I not waste it again if I encounter this? I like that. Yeah, um, I think for our listeners at home, if you see something really inappropriate, like we've been talking about, say something, because... I come from a place of a lot of privilege where I walk in as the female, white, blue-eyed hygienist, and I don't cop that, you know. And I think recognise that privilege. I think recognise that privilege and then, you know, make sure you're supporting your colleagues who might be experiencing this yeah. by, you know, checking in on them. Are you okay saying something for them, you know? You know, I think that's really important that we support as much as possible. You know, I'm mortified to hear that this still goes on and just think, you know, when are we going to get better with this? But it, unfortunately it does. Um, but by being silent and maybe watching an incident and saying nothing, you're being very complacent and, and it can make it someone feel like you agree or you don't care. And so I think it's really important that we speak up um, yeah. as much as possible. Yeah. That's a theme that we share on this podcast often is what you don't do is as important as what you do do. Exactly. And in scenarios like that, you know, just by saying nothing. And I, I know I've done things like that in the past where, you know, just, I didn't have the courage to speak up, you know, if a patient was correcting or reprimanding someone and I'm quite embarrassed of some of the baby hygienist actions I've had, (laughs) but, um, you know, it's all about learning and, and it's all about growth. And, um, you know, to to be a colleague and, and be in the room next door and hear something like that going on and not, like, come to the defense or, you know, just be there to peek your head and be like, hey, Kev, is everything okay in here? And maybe diffuse it a little bit. And so it's such an important way that if you're, like, a co-hygienist with someone and you hear or see that going on, make sure you're supporting your colleague and helping them. And, I mean, a, a good practice is always going to care for their employees first because they understand that if that's not happening, there's no way you can ever hit this benchmark of high-level patient care. Yeah. So you have to take care of your team before you take care of a single patient. So I feel like that's that's a cultural thing too. But yeah, if you're if you're listening and you have a colleague that's experienced something, it's it's not okay to no. cross those lines. Yeah. And you need we need to support each other. If I can yeah. share something, I and it it kind of doesn't it doesn't fall in line because I was ostracized for being. Um, Asian or being a man, but I did have, and just talking about that culture, because I want listeners to also know when you're looking for work, you want to find that workplace culture that's really going to sit with, you know, sit right with you, right? And so I had an incident where um, the practice that I work at now, my cousin's, my step cousin's wife works there. And it just makes it easier if we just say that I'm her cousin, but she's been with this practice for like a decade now. Right, and she's slowly phasing out, and so I'm observing her patients who've been with her for these all these years, and we had a an older man sit in the chair, and it happened to be my patient, and he was just right off the bat just a total a hole, and I was just trying to be first. I was just gonna give him you know, old grumpy man status, just let it be, and it be, and it was just getting like very um, hostile, like. I asked about his A1C because of his medical history. Just wanted to know, right? Because we're, we're supposed to ask that. And if you're not, you guys, we should. Um, and he was like, well, what, what's that to you? Why do you need to know? It's not yeah. your business. And I was like, um, well, and I was trying to be nice. And I finally, that was the first time I learned to say, we might not be a good fit. I could find, you know, I can help you reschedule and find another hygienist that might um, be more better accommodating for you or a better fit for you. And he just blew up and was yelling at me. And my entire team came, like, into my op and just was, like, they didn't reprimand him or correct him and because they just don't, like, we don't sit for aggression and we don't sit mm-hmm. for hostile. Like, you don't act against it yeah. in that way. But they definitely were just there surrounding just to make sure nothing was going to happen. And I was still probably, like, six months in, maybe, I think six months into working there. Six months into working there. 
or maybe six to eight months in, and I had never felt such support from a team like that before. Awesome. I didn't have to say anything, but when he finally got up and left, um, they were like, are you okay? Sometimes, yes, you should, you know, if you're too scared to say something to the patient, you, one, you have your own patients to deal with. Like, I'm not expecting you to, to stand up and go to my operatory to, to defend me. Yeah. But for you to check in on me like that, or for you to check in on your colleague after they've experienced something, unless, you know, if just showing that you care and yeah. just checking in on them. And that whole week, they were just like, are you okay? What do you need at work? Yeah. It was it was the absolute best. I, I have to give, like, every credit to my team for um, for sharing me with, with that kind of care and compassion. So I hope that we in the event that any microaggression is experienced and if you don't feel courageous enough to say something and if you don't feel courageous enough to say something and stop it in its track but just check on the person that was hurt no matter yeah, what yeah. and that's the first step right like don't ignore it don't shove it off yeah. really just check in on them and if they don't want to talk about it because they're still processing just you know that's fine. It's okay just yeah. it's okay show your effort you showed your effort and just be ready when they're ready to open up because yeah. it's sometimes it takes a minute for you to process what's happened, and I think it took me a minute to process too. Because that's the first time I said no <laughs> to a patient. And, yeah. Um, I it took me a week to kind of just say like that really sucked, but that first time I was like, oh fine, you know, he's an old man, it's cool. You you shove you shove it off. So when it's any microaggression, and I can imagine that for me it was just like an old man didn't like me. But what if it was someone who got um microaggressed or you know was discriminated against just because of the way that they look or that they had a different body part or that they had a different body part that's not like that's not cool <laughs> no it's not yeah. no, it's not. not i think you and need it, to really be aware of how courageous it is to say to a patient i don't think we're a right fit that can take, that took me a lot longer than it's taken you in your career to get Seriously, <laughs> I didn't yeah. do that three years in. No, no. way. <laughs> no. It's so. one of my favorite things to do now. <laughs> well, because also, you get scared. You know, you're scared that you're going to lose your job. One, because yeah. you think that, oh no, like my boss is going to kill me. And I thought I was going to lose my job that day because we, well, we have an owner, we have a dentist who owns the practice who doesn't work there. So it's just we have the associate there who's like, wait, what just happened? You know, but I was like, man, if I lose this patient, then we lose production. It's like a bigger picture thing. I've always thought about the bigger right. picture and make sure that because I, could, I couldn't, um, for better lack of term, like balls up or D, or D up, right? And so there was that fear, but... At some point, honestly, you just gotta, I think it, it was easier for me early on because when I felt that there was no way I could feel comfortable um, touching this patient, yeah. it's a no-go. And there was a reason for that because, um, and uh, my mentor Katrina Sanders has talked about this publicly before, and I haven't really, this is my first time on a podcast, so I haven't got to share it, but now at a bigger scope, um, my first year of practicing hygiene, I was at a practice that I I still love them, and um, but there was a patient who'd been there, even when I was a dental assistant, so a long time, and I said I was gonna do the extra oral intra oral exam. So in layman's terms, you know, I'm just gonna do a quick head and neck exam. Um, well, maybe a little more thorough. I just want to make sure there aren't any swollen lymph nodes, no, you know, moving lumps or bumps, just because that could be a sign of something. Because one, I'm a guy, so I have to be very careful with what I say, but. Um, after the appointment, it she seemed fine, but then I got the complaint back later on. I don't remember how long ago uh, after, but I was told that she complained and didn't want to see me again because it felt like it inappropriately touched her. Oh my goodness. And so it was more of like, if that was the case, if you didn't want that because you've never had that before, shame on the previous clinicians. Okay, yes. shame, on, shame on them. I can't, I'm sorry. Like I want, I didn't throw anybody under the bus, but you know, that's, that's a shame that you didn't, you don't remember that. Shame on the doctor for not defending me there because he just said, okay, we'll just move forward and not do anything about it. But I'm not going to lower my standard of care because you're being aggressive and I'm too scared because I, I took a specific oath. One, that's my license on the line. At the end of the day, that's the reputation of, of myself 
and for the practice. And I don't think that I would want to be affiliated with affiliated with a poorly repu- um, reputable office, right? Or a doctor. I'm here to elevate that. If that's going to compromise my care, then we're definitely not good match. You can find someone else who's going to do it for you at, you know, lack there. That lacks. I'm just saying. Praise that. So that's probably why very early on I was able to say no. Because after that incident, I was like, if I'm going to be discriminated and on top of that, it was like an older female, she was white, and then I'm a male, and I'm going to get, you know, the, she, he inappropriately touched me. That's, that's just waiting to ha- for something to happen. And I'm like, what? The first thing I blurted out when I got the complaint was, everybody knows I'm gay, right? Like, I'm not going to inappropriately, like, I'm not going to touch her inappropriately. No, like, no, thank you. Because the doc- and the doctor did Don't flatter thing. yourself, lady. Like, like, no, I'm sorry. It, you're, you have everything that I'm not interested in. Thank you. Except yeah. maybe, maybe healthcare benefits. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but other than that, no, I'm not. And that's such a that's such a dirty thing to do as a clinician, right? Yeah. If, if you're doing things intentionally or with in, malicious intent, like honestly, screw you. Get out of here. You're you're making it harder for us, and that's not yeah. cool. And on top, being a male already, that's just set to be against me. If that was to go into arbitration or into court no matter what unfortunately i do know that there is a very like high likeliness that it's going to go against me so do you always work with an assistant i don't yeah um, most of the time in private practice we don't um you know we work on our own so there's it's it's who says you know who are they going to believe right away and they're a lot of times it's going to be um, unfortunately, the one who said that they were inappropriately touched because you never want to invalidate yeah. that. That's a very serious charge. Yeah. And now, do you have the door open all the time then? Like, it's a, it's an open bay. So, yeah. open bay. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, technically, people could be watching, but, I'm, but I remember at that time, it's a very closed, um, closed, narrow space. There is, it, it's open bay, but you can't really see what's happening. So yeah. there's no evidence that either I did or I didn't. But no matter what, we don't want to invalidate um, someone that says they're inappropriately touched because that's just another whole thing waiting to happen. So just to make it easier, Kevin, don't do that anymore. I was like, well, no, Kevin's going to do what Kevin learned in school and swore an oath to do. And if someone's going to take that in, inappropriately touching, like, I already, I announced it and I got verbal con- express consent. Yeah. Come see me. Yeah. So, so, but if you don't want it, um, if you don't want your blood pressure checked, or if you don't want me because I have a different um, color, a different background from where I'm from, by all means, I will say no for you. So you don't feel uncomfortable. Let me be the one, don't feel uncomfortable. Let me be the one to tell you and get the, the hesitation off. Because at this point, at the, it's my, that's not cool for anybody. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love the, you know, I'm not the right clinician for you, and, and that's okay. Here, yeah. let's reschedule with somebody else that's going to be a better match for you. I think yeah. that that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, that works, and, and, and when they're cranky in the chair and they're just not being cooperative, I've had a lot of success with, it doesn't seem like today is, like, really working out for you to be here. Should we reschedule on another time? Maybe you just need, like, maybe you just got a lot going on, and today's not the best day to move forward with treatment. I could happily reschedule it if, if you would like. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, 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 let's just do this. And then yeah. all of a sudden the attitude changes Change. a little bit, you know. And if it doesn't change, explain it to your doctor. If you're scared, listeners who are, especially newer ones, because I know I'm still relatively new, so I know that the, I under, remember the hesitation and the, the anxiety of saying, of saying, maybe we should reappoint this and having to defend yourself. It's, yeah. There's no need to defend yourself. You are a professional, licensed person who knows how to screen your patient. And if your doctors right. forget about that, it, it might be a good time to remind them, I will practice under your reputation and your license as well. And if anything wrong was to happen, it's not just on me, it's, it's on you too. And I don't think you could afford, would want to afford that. And let's have this conversation. How are we going to screen these patients to make it an easier, comfortable environment for both of us? For so long, we've been patient uh, advocates, but it, there has to be a point where we are still clinician advocates as well. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree with that. We, we can't like, let the inmates run the asylum. <laughs> yeah, no. So um, another thing I wanted to ask you about too is, 
What do you think when you walk into a trade show at a conference? Is it is it glaringly pink and girly? Like, you know, and how does that make you feel? Um, <laughs> I feel so bad saying this. No, don't. It's either, it, it's a little uncomfortable. Mm. It's a little uncomfortable. I try to stay excited because I, I'm, I love learning the new technologies and what and the new science that's out there for us because i love elevating the, the profession but all i see is unfortunately like mostly white people that don't look like me um mostly female especially for the dental hygiene um trade shows and it just looks like i'm going to it's a big brunch and it's not even the gay brunch it's just like brunch <laughs> and, <it's> like, <laughs> and so then i'm then comes the question like do i belong here i i remember we went to um at west when i was a dental hygiene student i presented how you student i presented um original research with a couple girls um uh, who i thank god for them because we would have not placed had it not been for the teamwork um but we were in louisville kentucky for adha and we were in my group it's i'm filipino there was another girl that was filipino one that was um, I think Mexican or like, and then the other one's from Laos, and so we just looked completely different, and we were sh- we're, we're all short-ish, well shorter than our counterparts, and so when you look at the posters and you just see four four of us here, <laughs> and the rest of them were all tall and white girls, and I was like, well, uh, we're not gonna place, <laughs> yeah. and that that's it because you, oh I'm groomed, I was groomed growing up to know that it's gonna be outside of my community, it's set up against me. So um, when I go to the trade shows, it's unfortunate that I see those things, and I I wish that there was wish that there was more diversity. But when I do ask like why we don't have those things, um, like I'll ask my doctors or previous doctors I work with, but why don't you go to the trade shows? They don't want to lose out on like their production for the day, so they're not supporting they're not supporting the team or whatnot. But I really do think that if you took the time to one effect be an effective schedule coordinator. So you know you can afford to, to close those days out. Your team morale will boost. Two, you're going to be part of that like first wave that changes what the trade shows look like right now. Because now trade shows are just like, my, my horse is bigger than your horse. and it's But it's the same freaking horse. So my brown horse is bigger than your brown horse. Or my blonde horse is better than your, than your blonde horse. But if you see all these different horses, it'll be like the, going back, not horses, the dogs. It'll be like the big dog show. You get to see all different kinds of dogs and they're all cute. <laughs> well, you should come to Australia because we actually have a, a huge Asian community in Australia. We're I've been to Australia. Australia. I've been, been to Australia. Australia. Oh, well, then come for a dental show there because oh, a lot man. of the of um, Australian dental community is definitely Asian. I remember that. I love, I, would, I haven't done a, um, a trade show, but I did the study abroad program at, at Bendigo. Oh, the, excellent. Yeah, at Latrobe, yeah. Oh, and yeah. a lot of them were Asian. And it was such a, for one of the gals that was in the group with me, um, she's she's white, and she I remember her feeling it was a huge culture shock. And I was like, girl, you, I know it's your first time out of the country, but they speak English. But yeah. she's just like, it was a culture shock for for, for multitude kind of reasons. We kind oh. of speak English. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, better than like going into Japan where like all the signs look different. Like at least you know that this is a potato cake and this is, this is, um, uh, no. <laughs> like, you know, we're, I'm very lucky to come from Australia where we're very multicultural. Um, it's very multicultural. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think you would definitely not feel alone in the room, not feel alone in the room at one of our dental conferences, which would be, um, really nice. Yeah. But, yeah, I definitely think representation yeah. matters. And I think that's why your Instagram page is really important because you're representing so many things. You're representing male hygienists. So there there could be other male hygienists that feel seen or maybe someone that stumbles upon it as a non-dental hygienist that goes, oh, maybe that could be a career for me. You're representing um, the Asian community as well and, and showing that representation, which is really important. And also, um, you know, you're representing the gay community as well. So you're showing so many things. That, and like I said at the beginning of the episode, you can't be what you don't see. And so for some people, they may not identify with all three of those things. They might identify with just one of them. But it's something where they say, oh, well, I, maybe I can do that. Yeah. So 
they may not reach out and say that to you directly, but know that they but know that there's definitely someone who falls into one of those categories that is going to do it because they saw you do it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You don't even realize, you know, how much impact you have just by being you and, and having the courage to, you know, share that and share your influence yeah. through the, your Instagram channel and then getting out into the dental hygiene world and speaking and educating. And, and sharing from that perspective as well. It's that's what's going to start to make these changes within our own community because it is stuffy, older white women. I will be honest. That's that's the perception of our professional community. Yeah. So it, it changes from the courage of people like you. So thank you for doing what you're doing. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just thankful that the people that I was mentored by, like Katrina, like you, and the people I get to, I get to meet, like Tabitha and everyone else, it's like this new wave of, or this new generation of speakers and, and figures that are in dental hygiene are trying to fix a, a broken, what, I feel like it is a broken system that's fixed. It's fixed. It's the same speakers in the same cycles. For It's been like that for years. And now yes. we're, we're breaking certain boundaries. And I still feel like there's imposter syndrome sometimes with what I'm doing because I don't post a lot. I just post every once in a while. Like, I'm very intentional with my posting and I plan it out. Um, and so... But the response has been very heartwarming. And then knowing that very early on in my, I'm, I haven't even done a CE program yet. And already there's like you, bigger names that know me. I was like, girl, you know me. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Hey. <laughs> and it makes a big difference. Like if I, and that, I guess that joy that I feel, I want someone else after me. To feel that too. Yeah. Damn fact. I'm not gonna be speaking when I'm like in my old and prime. I'm gonna be happily, hopefully, happily retired and enjoying my life. Right. So I just wanted to kind of someone planted the seed for me, like Claire from CDRDH and, and Katrina Sanders, who took me under her wing and just kind of threw me to every opportunity possible, which I've, I, I, and it just like proliferated from there. I wanna be able to end up doing the same thing for the next set of hygiene students. Because there's, whatever we've been able to break now, there's going to be something else that's going to have to be broken generations from now. And Absolutely. I don't want them to lose that courage. Yeah. And I think um, I would like to give a shout out to, there's some really amazing male dental hygienists in our field. Um, there's just some, they're doing some amazing things as well. So you know, thank you for all of the male hygienists out there who are standing up and really, um, who are standing up and really, um, you know, doing it. It wouldn't have been as easy to do that. So, you know, I, I want to recognise that that's what it's like. And some of my favourite dental hygienists are, are male. So big shout out to Sahil, who is one of my um, friends in Australia and Vitor, one of my, who are both male dental hygienists. And we kind of all gravitate gravitate together at conferences because we like beer but um, <laughs> but also they're just two amazing dental hygienists who I feel really lucky to be friends with and get to learn from all the time and be inspired by as well so shout out to all the male hygienists who are doing great things out there and, um, and helping inspire other men to join our industry because we're better for it I think when we are a balanced industry you know I, I'm obviously a Anyone that has listened to the podcast in the past knows that I'm a fairly staunch feminist, but me, <laughs> a feminist, but me, a feminist means that I want equality for everyone, yeah. and that's what feminism means to me: is that we have equality between all of us. And I see that when we see us represented equally in all professions, that's equality. So, you know, when we have more men in our profession, that's better equality for all of us. Definitely. Yeah, I I agree. So, Kev, thank you so much for everything that you do. I'm excited to see what's to come because oh. I know there's some good stuff down the pike for you. There's a um, lot coming. There's, so, um, yeah. there's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. I was going to say, and if you're not following yet, go check out his page. It's, and let me make sure I get it right. It's, uh, it's, it's Kev. Oh, right, yeah. Make sure you check it out. 
um, on Instagram and we're really excited to watch your journey because we're really excited to watch your journey because oh, that's not something that, you know that um, Melissa and I are really excited to be able to do on our podcast is to share exciting people with other people and so thank you for letting us continue that. Thank you for yeah. giving me the, the space and we just we're going to keep moving forward right we're just going to yeah. proliferate the more of it the more of it yeah. most more of it no. so and before we before we let you go yeah. let's fast forward five years from now what's kev doing kev will be i already actually have my five-year plan so okay awesome i wrote it out so um i'd like to be still practicing clinically anywhere from anywhere from one to three days a week um i'd like to be continuing the the board prep that I'm affiliated with right now, Sandra's board prep. I want to see that um, bigger um, scape scope, I guess, where I'm able to talk to these students, talk to these students, but also create a space where it's um, transitioning from hygiene school into private practice and what that's going to look like in the future. Because for so long we just kind of it's two completely different cultures and it shouldn't be. Yeah. And so that's that's my thing I want to see in five years, creating a space for that, whether it's I open my own business or I partner with someone else, I don't care who, but we're going to be doing that. And um, uh, You can come partner with me because I already have a built. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. And I need some help. Okay, oh, got you. I got you. And um, I want to be speaking to, different, to more practices, like at an intimate level, not at the big level, but at an intimate in your practice level and look at the culture that you already have that mixes with the dentistry that you're doing does that work together and is if it's Love whether that. it's instrumentation whether it's technology whether it's communication like all those still intertwine together because if no one's on the same piece and That's hopefully have, hopefully have a house hopefully <laughs> I'm, I'm so um in awe of you being so young and, and so organized and so um seriously I don't know what I'm going to do next week and you've got a five-year plan. That's no, but here's the thing. There's, there's a five-year plan and then there's literally, I don't know what I'm doing to, after tomorrow. Like, I'm just going to, oh, geez. At least I know what I have scheduled for tomorrow. I don't know how I'm going to get to it. Yeah. <laughs> so I have the five-year plan. I just don't know how it's going to get there. But if, we'll get there. And if not, then, you know, self-love. If it's not five years, it's seven years. It's okay. Yeah. Right. It's all good. <laughs> No, You'll land where you need to land when you need to land there. Yeah. yeah 100%. Well, Kev, thank you so much for taking some time out of your schedule to come chat with us and share with our community and beyond all the amazing things that you're doing. And uh, we are excited to just keep watching you in this space and how you're going to grow and elevate and, and help. In the meantime, keep on disrupting people. We'll see you soon. Bye. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.